0: Hello. Welcome back to the show. It's so exciting to be back. <laughs> I know. This is great. Sarah McNally, owner of Constellation and Co, is back. I believe you are episode 64 or three, but your episode launched about a little less than a year ago. And now we have you back with some exciting news but <laughs> she's the owner of Constellation and Co which is a letterpress and stationery company and I love that you say you're bringing encouraging cards to struggling humans power of words power of snail mail combined to increase connection I love that whole sentiment and you're here today to talk to us about the year I became snail mail superstar you're brand new memoir about the importance of handwritten correspondence, feeling our feelings, making peace with grief. I love all of it. <laughs> welcome, welcome back, and congratulations. Thank you. Thank you so much. It's really exciting. I love being a repeat guest. This is my yeah. favorite. <laughs> I'm trying to think. We had Allie Edwards repeat guest, but that's been it. Kristen? And Megan. We interviewed And Megan. We interviewed Nita twice, but only had one episode of her. Yeah. Yeah, God. yeah. This is very, very. exciting, and yeah. it's
2: it's so fun to kind of think back to where we were all at a year ago and yeah,
0: reflect definitely, which I hear is a theme. Yes, <laughs> yeah, it, it is. So. And I checked out all your cards uh, today too, and they're evolving nicely as well. Oh, well, thank you. Yes. <laughs> oh my gosh, all the happy birthday stuff. I like one that was like, "You'll get another card in 365."
1: <laughs> well, this so year sure it's 366. You're right. Yes, that's
0: true. I may have to release a sticker yeah, <laughs> yeah that you. would be
1: so much fun
2: <laughs> I'm you, you know I mean out there somewhere?
1: anytime know. anytime there's the word sticker I just chose, yeah. So. yeah
2: yeah for sure
1: okay so book we're gonna talk like way about the book but okay so I learned so many things about you that I am so excited <laughs> to talk about the first one though you are a huge MLS fan yes so, you are a Seattle Sounders fan, yes, because you live in Seattle
2: of course I, i'm assuming oh I am assuming that you are a Seattle Sounders <laughs> yes. fan because yes. you
1: live in Seattle that you know, but so I grew up in uh North Jersey, okay, and when I was a little girl, like way little girl, and they you know made m l s. There was a team called the New York, New Jersey Metro Stars. Yes, I'm aware. Oh my gosh. And their stadium was Giant Stadium, which also no longer exists. And that was only a mere 10 minutes from my house.
0: Oh, that's so fun. Oh, yes. Yeah. So, so you were the ultra fan.
1: Oh, yes. Daddy took me to games. And um, one of the cool things that I did when I was very little, I was, I mean, I think probably 10 cuz i feel like the league was birthed in 1996
2: yeah, because it was definitely the 90s yeah
1: um he worked for AT&T at the time and AT&T was like, you know, big crazy sponsor of the MLS All-Star game. So they had this weird <laughs> like behind the scenes sponsor thing of the MLS All-Star game. So I went with my dad and like no shit like 50 other kids to meet every single all-star that was at the all-star game
2: that's so fun of the
1: first mls all-star games and i mean we have that signed ball somewhere at my parents house
2: that's incredible
1: and it's like my one of my favorite childhood memories like of (laughs) of all time
2: i love that
1: um but you have like the trophies you have the trophies like at your shop
2: yeah that was that was such a weird melding of all of my loves and (laughs) and interests Can
0: we so your can, wait,
1: so, i mean this this is like literally at the very end of your book it yes. is a picture of you with the two trophies at your shop so can you tell me how the, i mean i don't want to spoil yeah. the end of the book
2: no but... it's it's sort of like a a little nugget add-on at the epilogues that i just had to do for my own enjoyment yeah um, no that's incredible. Yeah.
1: how did that happen
2: yeah so i gosh so MLS added Seattle as a team in 2009, which was the same year we moved to Seattle. So all the years we've been here have been like the lifespan of the team, which is just kind of a sweet thing. And we got, I don't have to tell you my whole story, but I got die hard, super involved with the supporters group and with like the giant banners that get painted and like all of that fun jazz and have met some of my absolute best friends through soccer. I just got really involved in the whole community and I've met, you know, members of the staff and I've got, you know, just these like sweet friendships with the players and just, it's, it's, it's so just a beautiful community thing. Makes Seattle feel like a small town in some ways. And so for that, when we won our second championship, the, this past year which was just very exciting at home in our stadium <laughs> got to have my husband and my kid there like just huge celebration incredible shortly thereafter a member of the front office for the team emailed me and just asked hey would you be interested in us bringing the trophies to your shop and people can come and visit them and take pictures and hang out and it was one of
0: the, the sweetest yeah. <laughs> i
2: have in life of just this like incredible You know, my friends, our community coming together, our city celebrating this big, this big milestone, this achievement, and then just that the team wanted to support my small business and and bring this event to literally the place that has meant so much to me. Just, it was really special. So I was excited to share that in the book.
1: Yeah, I feel like that really like capitalizes um, superstar (laughs) on like snail mail superstar. And that is... I think I, I really enjoyed reading your book. Thank there were you. so many things in it that were just so genuine and so heartbreaking, but also joyful and just made me relate so much. And I'm, I'm first off, I'm thankful that you wrote it. Thank you. You're very welcome. But <laughs> can you talk to us about? why you wanted to write the book and then we'll talk a little bit about the process but you've been writing snail mail for a long time we talked about that on on last show so what made you want to put this into what could be the complete opposite of a postcard
2: (laughs) this is very true I think some of the reason why I write snail mail is because I always have something to say. I always have this overabundance of words and thoughts and I just gotta, I gotta get them out. I gotta, I write a journal, I send snail mail, I write letters, I, you know, I I have always have something, I'm thinking about something to say. But more than anything, 2018, that same year I started my YouTube channel and sort of called myself snail mail superstar was hands down the worst year of my life. And there was this unbelievable both andness of my life where I was diving back into all these things that I really loved and getting to know my family and connecting with parts of myself that I, I didn't I didn't think were valuable. But also going through grief and super struggling with my mental health and having a really hard time. And it was the writing. The book was like a life raft in a super difficult year. And I had all of these griefs triggered from all the way back, way back when to something super fresh. And it just writing about it made it all feel like there could be some purpose to the hurt. There could be something to gain from it, something learned, something um, shared. And with my greeting cards, the goal has always been to help people feel less alone. And I, the more that I share, the more that I'm vulnerable with those little tiny bits of language, you know, a tiny little piece of paper and a few words. I've seen the connection that I've been able to make with other people and same goes for youtube and for social and for all these other things the connections i've made have been so life-giving for me that the more that i saw that and the more letters i received about people who'd been touched by my honesty about infertility and mental health and going to therapy and grief and all the things that i had talked about i realized that telling a more full version of my story and being more vulnerable on a larger scale could really have an impact more than just a postcard, and and I think that's why I kept writing even when it got hard. And there are so many days where I would like be editing a version of it and go, I I can't I can't share this with the world. <laughs> like I can't talk about sexual assault. I can't I can't show people what it's really like in my brain. That's too scary. And then I, all I had to do was think back to the letters from strangers I'd been receiving, where this little like tiny little crack of myself I'd shown meant something to them. And, it, and that kind of fueled me to keep going. So it's a book about snail mail. It's a book about a thousand other things than that. And it's just for me about real human connection and, and really being honest with other people and um, what an impact that can really make
1: I think that that's so. There's so many things that I read that are. So. I didn't. I want to say the right words, but I feel like sometimes you have exactly the right words, and then sometimes you just don't have the right (laughs) words at all. I found so many interesting threads in the things that you wrote, and then also in the correspondence that you found. Yes. Like the things that are, the things that we think of today as, oh, those are just, you know, those are today's kids. Like um, when you found the postcard that said, please send nudes. <laughs> yes. Which is like, right, duh. I mean, there <laughs> were like, you know, pornographic cave paintings. Yeah. So it's funny because, When we get reminded of those things, it's like, right, everyone has been like that forever. And I love that you reminded us up front in the book that you are a type of person, you're the type of person that likes to talk about things. Because talking about things makes it easier, makes it less lonely. Absolutely. And... I want to touch on one thing. You talked about your journey with infertility both in the book and a a lot on your YouTube channel. And I think it's just incredibly awesome that you talk about it with such truth, with such this voice of, like, let's talk about this because people don't talk about it. And when we don't talk about it, then everyone feels lonely and, like, I'm the only one that's going through this. And then you mentioned hearing that your grandmother went through a long bout of infertility before having a bunch of children and that you would have liked to learn that earlier.
2: (laughs) Would have been helpful.
1: (laughs) But then everybody felt like, oh, that you didn't know that. I feel the same way about a bunch of things in like like conversations that I've had with older generations. Do you feel that that's a generational thing? Are we is is our generation better at talking about things out loud? I feel like is this something that we need to make a more consistent effort? to do is this something that we are doing is it both
2: i think it's a little bit of both i think when it comes to talking within families that's an extra complicated thing and i've thought a lot about my my mom and my grandma and my aunts not feeling like they wanted to talk to me about infertility because there's a a level of pain there that they still experience and it's difficult to know how to how to start that conversation how to have that conversation i think family is hard um i think that there's an element of our generation that feels more comfortable talking about hard things because we have places like twitter and instagram and youtube and podcasts where we can be really honest but at an arm's length Like, if I had to freak out right now and stop this conversation, I could just close my laptop and go about my life. But if someone was in the room with me, it would be more difficult. So I think there's something beautiful about the ability to be really honest and to connect with people all over the world and far away, but in a way that feels less overwhelming, especially to my anxiety. But I I think there is a generational issue, too, about – we don't talk about things that are distasteful and there's a lot of parts of life that are really distasteful and can be really distasteful. Like, like grief, grief is incredibly messy and we like to have a, list of all the the steps of grief, so that we feel like we have, okay, so I, I'm in denial, I'm in acceptance, I'm in anger, I'm in, like, grief doesn't really work that way, it definitely doesn't go down a list, and it can be so messy, and it can be so confusing, so I think historically, when we had so little control over our, our health and mental health, and we were as people just trying to get through the day and survive and i have been watching the tv show dickinson so good you, it's so incredibly good i'm enjoying it so much but one of the things that came up that i had never thought about was um like fear of death in childbirth Yeah, and um that the character sue had just had a a sister die and of course because I'm me I went and found a non-fiction book about Emily Dickinson's life and I've been listening to that and it, it actually underscores that a lot and talks a lot about how it was terrifying for women to get married because for so many women getting married meant getting pregnant which meant death and when that was your everyday reality and we had children die there was just not that that doesn't still happen because of course that it can and it does but when everyday life was so terrifying because you could die at any turn you could catch you know you could catch the fever you could like there's just so many things that could go wrong i don't think people felt comfortable having conversations about it because it was so much a part of their daily life that like if you had to go through it you had to but like let's not bring that on ourselves But I think as that's kind of trickled down to us in our generation, we have all of these things where we're like, gosh, I never knew that my family dealt with mental health struggles or infertility or these other things where we just feel so weird and broken and alone if our lives aren't turning out perfect the way that our parents set out to give us everything. And, you know, right, wrong, or indifferent, I think we all parent the best that we can we all try the best we can with our families I think there's just it's complicated and there are a lot of things in my book that I realized as I self-published it like things that I I could really have told my sister face to face but instead of doing that wrote them in my book and handed it to her (laughs) like I hope that she likes it but she'll never tell me I will never hear it from her because families are just complicated and I don't know that we can solve that
1: I think that's a really great point. I think it is like, because survival is important and boundaries are important. And when you are living with people, you can't necessarily have all of those things all of the time. You can't, you know, say, hey, I feel this way and this way and this way and this way and this way. And then also sit across from that person at the breakfast table or lunch table or dinner table or sleep in the same bed as that person or, you know, be that person's parent. It's hard. And, you know, sometimes you have people who have been through whatever they've been through and they can't be the type of person that you need for whatever Mm -hmm. it is that you need
2: that's why i love therapy (laughs) me
0: too exactly that's why you need a
1: professional to be like (laughs) which yeah also generational issue but sure
2: sure and i think that's definitely changing and i am really pleased to see so many more people be willing to at least give it a try and I right. think there's a huge privilege aspect to that at this point, too. It's not cheap. Not everybody has insurance, not all insurance covers it. And it, I, I think it's probably the most like progressive thing I could possibly like stand for in my life is like I think therapy is for everyone and should be accessible for everyone period. Yeah. Um, and I'm, I'm hopeful that someday that will be true. Um, but at least I, can, I have seen I have seen so much progress when it comes to the stigma being lifted from going to therapy and, and dealing with your demons. I think it's, I I think that's a definitely something
0: we're making progress on. I feel that way too.
1: Yeah. And I, and it's, I feel like you can finally say like, there's, there's not, you're not broken if you're going to therapy, you know, you can go to therapy if something happened in your life that you're just not, having you can't get through on your own Mm -hmm. and who isn't having trouble in their life with something that they can't get through on their own I mean I think it was probably middle school maybe high school when they first gave that like you know it's it's like a checklist where you know are two of these major things happening Did, did one or two of these major things happen to you this year uh, like death of a loved one. Did you lose your job? Did someone close to you lose their job? Or did, you know, a couple of these non-major things? And I looked at this list and I was like, this is literally every single person on the entire planet.
0: Yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah.
1: And so, like, every single person on the entire planet should be in therapy? Okay. Yeah. Sounds good. Sounds
0: logically sound. Yeah. <laughs> yeah.
1: If everybody needs to have, like, a doctor to go see a physical every year, everybody should go to get, you know, their teeth cleaned, then, sure, everybody maybe needs a mental health checkup. Yeah. If we need to go to the gynecologist. yeah.
2: Oh, absolutely. If nothing else, it can revolutionize how we communicate with other people and how we relate to the people in our life. Exactly. Because if we don't understand – our own struggles and our own triggers and our own past and our own traumas and our own griefs. Like if we can't understand ourselves, then we'll have absolutely no space to have empathy for what other people are going through. And that's something that I've really recognized is that the more that I get to know myself, the more empathy that I, that I've gained. And it doesn't make me more self-centered. It just makes me like see myself with a layer of kindness that I didn't used to have. And that helps me see other people that same way.
1: Yes. Yeah. It's that, Thing of okay well Amanda and I have been talking about um, needing to put some buffer room or white space into our lives so that we have room to breathe room to essentially exist in our own life and it starts with boundaries it starts with that willingness to believe that you are worth that boundary in the first place. And if you're not willing to put up the boundary in the first place, then you're not going to be able to move forward from that point on.
2: Um, I I had kind of written down later for more of like the production conversation that we wanted to have, but the big thing for me was that I couldn't write a book until I recognized that my story was worth telling yes this it's huge it's it's everything and that was one of the things
1: you 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 specifically stopped and wrote in your book and it's such a big moment when you stop and say oh you know what my story is worth telling which means everybody else's story is also worth telling and well i need to go out and i need to tell them that immediately because it's really important that they know.
0: Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah.
1: And so I want to talk about all of, I mean, the book is gorgeous. There's so many incredible photographs. There's so many pictures of your incredible correspondence. I'd like to talk about the way you laid the book out. It's in chronological order Mm -hmm. and then why you chose to include so many, I mean, let's just talk about how you chose all (laughs) the photographs and the correspondence and then how you put it all together because, I mean, it's gorgeous.
2: Thank you. Yeah, I, I started adding photos after the text was totally finished and that was really important to me because as a designer like I I come from a graphic design background I have a degree in graphic design I'm I'm a designer for a living the first thing I thought of when I thought of writing a book was like what it was gonna look like (laughs) and then as I wrote the book I went on my very totally separate journey from that and wrote about things that I just did not think I would write about and so when it came time to finish the book up and do the design and include photographs knowing what I'd written and keeping that in mind I looked at everything that I had so differently so all the photos of my family I looked at them very differently for meaning and for context and looked at my correspondence differently and all these things I knew that I wanted to include I didn't just go through and pick out like here are some pretty photos and I'm going to write about them I wanted this The photos and the the postcards and the letters to tell their own little story, and to kind of show, not tell, certain things that that may have been hinted at in the book, but that are just harder to harder to figure out how to express. Um, So it just it meant a lot to me because I have this incredibly large, beautiful vintage postcard collection to show them off to share them, but then also to go through all of my old papers, which is its own adventure in weird memory and trauma and (laughs) all of that. But just to go through everything, to read everything and then to kind of rediscover that what I'd been writing about was like, if I was trying to make a court case, like I had evidential proof of these people that loved me and the connection that we had. Because of course I'd read all of these like letters and postcards, I knew all of these things, but once I had kind of made made my way through what I wanted to say in the book, it was just a really beautiful experience to to reread everything and to kind of find like, here's, here's what I can share that will really underscore exactly what I wanted to say. And I love how mo- many of the letters specifically are incredibly mundane. Like they're just so boring. And I hear that a lot from people when it comes to snail mail. Like I don't have anything interesting to share. I don't have any like big thoughts to put in a letter. And all of my favorite letters are these, like, mundane, ridiculous letters. Like, one from my grandma where she talks at length for, like, three different cards about how her dentures broke. But she's just so (laughs) funny and so, like, wonderful. And my life and her life meant so much to each other that we could tell each other stupid, mundane things, and I'd still feel that love. And I think that's a good reminder that we don't have to – we don't have to be alexander hamilton when we sit down to write a letter like we can just be us and just write about whatever stupid things are going on in our life and that like moment of connection and intention and focus on one person to send them a letter is enough love to carry the whole thing through
1: i think that's really important you're just talking to you know your person
0: yeah my grandma is my pen pal too. I'm very. I'm just having a quiet week, but like, I love listening to you. <laughs> I don't know. I don't feel very talkative, of it, but like, you're just hitting everything on the head. I'm like, mm-hmm. but my grand. I I identified with you with that with my grandma. I wonder if a lot of people have their grandmas because she. Does, they don't have social media. At least yeah, mine doesn't. Most so, so yeah. like that is their media kind of. Yeah. The way we keep in touch. She's far away, so. And, And
2: now that both of my grandmothers are gone, those connections that I had with them, like those things I can hold in my hand are so much more important to me. And I'm so grateful that I saved everything. I'm a total pack rat, especially with paper. I save everything, 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 everything. And I've criticized myself a thousand times over the years. But then sitting down to write the book, I realized that like, even if I don't pull them out every year, having those things to go back to after someone is gone or just even as time passes is so important. And I liked being like an archaeologist in my own life, (laughs) like digging through and finding things and bringing them to the surface. It meant a lot.
0: I love that. And the book is kind of that bound. (laughs) Yeah. Basically. Absolutely. Yeah, a little bit of your memory keeping. I guess that's what a memoir is. We do it in albums and bits and pieces, but... absolutely and whether
2: one person reads it you or however many people read it like it's still worth spending the time on like it's it's worth that time for for reflection for like keeping things for you know I, I wrote a book because I wanted to write a book and because I needed to write a book and everyone who's read it so far and will read it in the future is like icing on the cake like that's that's a, the beautiful impact that doing something publicly can have but it if I had tried to write a book for other people, this is certainly not the book. And I probably wouldn't have finished
0: it. <laughs> right. Where can people find it?
2: At our at my website. There are print copies still available that you can order on my site. And it's also on Amazon for Kindle and devices.
0: Cool. Which is
2: if you, if you want to, you know, be digital. That's not my yeah. preferred method, but it's... Right. Uh, well, that's not even true. I read a lot of books digitally, like <laughs> audiobooks and Kindle books because I read so much that I can't store all the books and I can't like afford all the beautiful hardbound volumes I'd like. So, I shouldn't I shouldn't be snotty about paper
0: versions. <laughs> but paper. <laughs> I know. No but paper. <laughs>
2: yeah.
0: Very cool. And it's so pretty. Thank you. And I
2: worked really hard to make sure that the Kindle version had every single photograph that was in the paper version. So depending on your device, they may be in black and white, but they're still all very readable and seeable and enjoyable. And that was my New Year's Eve this year. I was like not feeling awesome. I was like, just tired and exhausted from working like, you know, retail, owning a shop around the holidays just madness so yeah new year's eve i spent literally 12 hours just <laughs> making the paper version into the kindle version and at the end of it my husband handed me a glass of champagne like right before midnight and was like congratulations you're in yeah. like
0: tears so yeah. many tears <laughs> so being I you kind of talked about the process of like being in the middle of writing the book and now being on the other side of the book. How does that feel?
2: It's great. It's it's really great. And I thought it would feel more surreal, but the beauty of self-publishing is that I remember every little step of the way and I was part of every little step of the way. So I feel I feel like I can call myself an author and like feel like a little bit of a badass and like own that and be bold in that because I did it and I could have given up and I could have like freaked out (laughs) so many steps along the way but I saw it through and I made it happen and um, part of the reason that I decided to self-publish was because the interactions that I was having with publishing world folks made it very clear that I was a dollar sign Mm. and if I wasn't enough dollar signs then it wasn't worth it and that was so anti how i see the world and just that like my story is worth telling my story is worth writing my story is worth reading even if it doesn't make an exceptional amount of money for someone else and so basically like after kind of recognizing that i'm not like deeply marketable for someone else i was like but i've always believed in myself and i like couldn't get a job out of college made my own like made my own job started my own business like hired my own team like I've kind of like every step of the way done things my own way and believed in myself enough to keep going so why should this be any different (laughs) so I actually really loved the self-publishing process and I got to work with a badass um, female editor who like is freelance and starting her own thing and like got to work really closely with her and I loved that experience and then got to be super incredibly over-the-top control freak about the design and the layout and what I included and how I did it and like personally sat and typed every single page number on my typewriter and then scanned (laughs) them and then edited them and then inserted them like no one would do that no one but me and I'm so glad that I got the chance to especially for my first book make it exactly what I wanted
0: good for you girl it felt good it feels good nice how long did it take you from like I'm gonna write a book to like January 11th. It's out there in the world. Like, how long did the whole thing take? It was like 18 months because I started in
2: July of 2018 and then released in January 2020. A lot of starts and stops for sure. A lot of all-nighters. A lot of crazy. What am I doing with my life? Moments, but it happened, and I've already started writing
0: the next one. So apparently, I didn't hate the process. Is it like a continuation of this, or something totally different?
2: It's a little bit. It's definitely similar in style, but instead of talking about grief, primarily grief and um and and mental health, it's more about like growth and putting down roots and like the next sort of the next chapter in what has been going on in my life and more of the stories that I've wanted to tell that connect in a different way. So. It's so exciting. Probably be a lot longer than eighteen months, honestly, because my life is a little (laughs) crazy right now. But then again, once I get in a wild hair to like spend
0: a lot of nights writing,
2: who knows? We'll
0: have to see. Wow. Nighttime is your productivity time. I just yes,
2: I've always been a bit of a night owl, and and then also I. I can't work at my shop because there's a thousand distractions and things are crazy. And I have a five-year-old who's super rambunctious (laughs) and a dog and a cat and houseplants and a husband. And like, you know, life is just the way that life is. So when it gets really quiet in my house and there's like no distractions, that's when it's easier for me to write. But then again, I wrote a lot of this, like in the car, I'd like get an idea and I'd like pull over, I'd like type (laughs) some things out, driving and, um, that's how I accomplished writing it was just writing every time something came to me I would write it down and eventually figure out how to put it together very interesting I would have loved to like go and like stay in a lighthouse yeah you know spend (laughs) six weeks like that's how I picture myself being an author but in reality I'm like like breathing heavily (laughs) and like pulled over on the side of the road like on
0: your way to do something else On my way exactly (laughs) on my way to get groceries or whatever so That's actual life. (laughs) Yeah.
1: I think it's super important to talk about that too, though.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I've heard Elizabeth Gilbert say the talk about genius in the way that it isn't you it's something that comes to you and how like a famous author in the past used to feel like she'd have she'd get the idea and have to run to the house to get a pen (laughs) like she was afraid it was gonna leave her before she got to where she's gonna go so I always related to that same thing Yeah, I have moments of that but then I also have recognized that
2: a lot of what I wrote I've been working on in the back of my head for a long time, which is why I started to like pull in journal entries and like read old notebooks and like kind of revisit things that I had already written and all that stuff because all of these ideas, in order to actually express them, I have had to work on them for years. (laughs) And I think it helped me to see that this was just the culmination of a lot of time and a lot of growth and a lot of life and not just like, something I pulled out of the air because I think we all kind of sell ourselves short on the fact that even if we're not working we're always like something's always percolating right uh, we have to like take the time to like set it down on paper or like let it come out of us but as creative people I think we're always we're always humming with
0: something Right. In our bite sized book club, we're so on this topic. Like, this podcast is so funny because it does that. Like, it doubles up on themes, then we don't plan it. And, like, I'm it's really doing. weird. But, like, exactly what you just said, like, the big dream was the book. And throughout, like, the course of your day, these little moments that go unnoticed almost throughout the whole thing of, like, the rest of your life and your day is how it got done, like, <laughs> for the most yeah. part. Like, and we just talked about that in our most recent episode. So interesting. It's just so interesting.
2: Yeah. I think a lot of us have an idea of what creativity should look like or productivity or, like, what our life should look like, and then reality is just something totally other. And when we can, like, embrace that and recognize that while it would be ideal to have six weeks to sit down and write a book, like, the six minutes that we take are still six minutes more than we would have taken if we were waiting for the eventuality of the perfect time.
0: Yeah. And the older I get, the more that I recognize how the younger me would have panicked about that <laughs> and how the older me is still so grateful that it's happening anyway, you know what yeah. I mean? Yeah. So like, yeah, it's like, oh, I, all these things are going on and I feel a little harried in it, but... I'm generally doing okay. Like, you have something to compare it to. But as, like, your younger self would have been like, it's not going the way I want. Like, I don't know. A little temper tantrum, but sure, it's better now. I still throw those, you know. You yeah, You yeah.
2: have them sometimes. Yeah. and then Not as frequent.
0: Right. Exactly, yes. They don't last as long and not as exactly. frequent, but they happen. You're right. You're right. You yeah. Now mad. you
1: know what to give yourself when you have your temper tantrum.
2: <laughs> yes. Usually a glass of red wine. Usually yeah. A
0: piece of <laughs>
1: chocolate. Yeah. <laughs> I had something really intelligent to say. And then I thought about, well, what do I give myself when I have temper
0: tantrums? (laughs) (laughs) You threw yourself on your own tangent.
1: I did. Um, Well, oh no, I was thinking about that white space again. Because if you don't have that white space to decompress your creativity, it just keeps getting pushed up against everything else. And... It never flows. There's a million metaphors that we could use for this. And, you know, cho- you know, choose your own metaphor. <laughs> um, but, like, if you're doing, like, creative project after creative project, after homework, after groceries, after making dinner, after being sick, after, you know, vacation with the in-laws, after Christmas, after New Year's, after everybody's in town because it's Christmas <laughs> or New Year's, or, like... <laughs> Then you go to the desk and you're like, okay, time to be creative. No. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. 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 And like, we've been talking a lot lately about how when we've been previously in our youth, we've made the youthful mistake of just saying oh this is free time and all of our creative endeavors will get done in free time (laughs) and obviously that doesn't work and so building in these boundaries of like no free time is you know where you just kind of need to be not work go back to existing remember Mm -hmm. that you know you are a human and that's just you know an animal that talks (laughs) (laughs) and like we need we need to write (laughs) mail yes Right. we could do a lot of things but like we still need to like rest and eat and sleep and all that other stuff like we can be super attuned to our mental health needs and be like ultra woke on therapy but if we are running ourselves ragged, we cannot expect to honestly do anything, let alone be creative. Mm-hmm.
0: And what I love that's inspiring about you kind of tied to what Christian just said is that like you have a lot of things going on. Like you have the brick and mortar. You just wrote the book. Like I know you do like a lot of online community kind of stuff. You have a son. you like, went to therapy. But like I feel like you're a great example of like, let me tackle this one thing until I have it working before I pick up something else. Like the Elise juggling juggling uh, thing, Kristen, yeah. like you can't like when you really watch a juggler, they are just focusing on one ball at a time, but they're all kind of moving and they don't catch the other one until they've handled the one, you know, it's happening. Where you fast, can't hold but like, three plates. Right. Mm-hmm. So it's, I feel like, your story's kind of like that like when one thing is when you tackle one thing and it's kind of working then you introduce the next that's like you're a good example of that
2: most of the time I feel like it goes super well and then like recently there was a week where like the school my son's school was closed for like new year's first week of January and then the next week was like parent teacher conferences so it was closed one day of his like Days he's in school, and then the next week there was a snow day, and then like something else happened. And I like got to the point where I was like, okay, all this works if everyone gets to go where they need to go and do what they need to do. Everyone else takes care of the things that they're agreeing to take care of on the days in which they do that. And suddenly, like (laughs) three or four weeks in a row, I'm like down one day, and I felt like I felt that acutely. And there are a lot of times where I have to recognize that, like, I can plan perfectly I can like have it all down and then stuff comes out of the woodwork and I have to like drop things off the bottom of my list and I still hate that I hate to do it but everything is fine everyone's existing it's it's it's, it's not even February yet we're like I mean it will be it will be very soon but January I feel like this beginning of the year is such a fraught time because we all want to like make all these changes and do all these things and it's a new year and we have new ideas and want to be creative and want to be fresh and like it's great but also like I'm tired are you tired I'm getting tired. I'll tell you why because I've tried to change everything about my life in like three weeks and you know what it's not possible so I had somebody recently tell me that they were just going to start over on February 1st I saw that today and I was like I'm in. I'm, I'm so in. in. <laughs> yeah. Every month, I would love a new time to be like, okay, refresh. What do we want to work on this month? Like, yeah. why do we only do that once a year?
1: And January is just the worst, and especially <laughs> for, I mean, anyone who lives in anywhere that it's not seventy degrees all the time. <laughs> yes, it's just. I mean, by the time, by the by the time my partner gets home from work, it's dark. Hmm. So, I mean, by the Let's time go we... to bed? yeah, I...
2: legitimately, I like, feel like yeah.
1: any time we eat dinner is too
2: late. Yes. Yes. But it's four thirty. But it's midnight outside. Exactly.
1: <laughs> I think
2: this is contributing
1: yeah. to how I feel too old. I feel yeah. old because we're eating dinner when it's dark out.
2: Fair. Yeah, I and mean, I, listeners in Southern California can just tune out yeah. for a moment, but, like, the seasonal affective <laughs> disorder stuff, like, is a real deal, and, like, I recognize that, like, because the days are getting longer, but in Seattle, by, like, 4.30 in the wintertime, it's dark, and it's cold, and it's rainy, and it's crappy for so much of the year, and I love it here, and I, I moved here from Florida, so I have no room to complain, goes <laughs> to live here, but there's something about that, about, like, your body is telling you it's time to sleep and sometimes right. you know, <laughs>
1: sometimes you don't like right these are the things you can't control. Mhm. Those are chemicals, man. Like yeah. They you just don't have a choice.
2: Absolutely. And I think that there's, like, I love this season, this, like, end of winter, beginning of spring season, because I have that, like, expectant heart of, like, I know summer is eventually coming. I know (laughs) daffodils are going to start blooming soon, which is my favorite thing. I wrote about it in the book, and, like, there's so many things that are still to come that are hopeful, and I I try to hang on to that, because, yeah, after Christmas, man, I, I, I crash hard, and some of... Some of that is why I chose like January 11th to release my book. It was my birthday, so it felt like it felt like a good day, but also just between New Year's and my birthday, you know, new age, new year, I feel this like incredible push to like make everything different. And I knew that if I didn't put that date on the release for the book, like back in November when I chose it, I was like, I'm never gonna put this book out because like pushing through the holidays and like getting stuff done and all these like people in town, all these things, like it just wasn't going to happen. And I'm really glad that I did that because now that big goal for the year, that big like dream has been accomplished for that little bit. And it's given me a little bit of space to breathe and to like, okay, what do I want to do next? And I've been trying to like block out schedule spaces in my week, like my Thursday for like making YouTube videos for an entire day, for like just doing like dumb watercolor paintings that I feel like doing for an entire day, and that feels so over the top luxurious, but is exactly that kind of white space that I need if I'm going to do a new creative project anytime soon. So I've been trying to like reward myself with a little bit of extra space and time, because um, yeah, it uh, any big project like that there's like a it's like the feeling of a kid after christmas or like the feeling like after a wedding or like this like major like drop off a cliff and it kind of took me by surprise but i definitely it hit me of like i i did i accomplished this bucket list thing and now why do i feel so bummed out and it's just like yeah it was a lot of work and it's sometimes it can feel cathartic and wonderful and amazing to accomplish something but also yeah, you can fall off a cliff afterwards. So, any encouragement to anybody who feels like that after doing something they've always wanted to do, or you know, coming home from a trip, or any of that—like, give yourself some space to feel whatever those feelings are. They're legitimate.
0: Yeah, definitely. Thanks for sharing that. Yeah. I don't think we hear that enough.
1: Yeah, I think that's a really important thing to talk about. Is like. You get all of those endorphins. I think that, that both the, the trip and the kid at Christmas are such good metaphors for it. Because it's like, okay, 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 okay. This thing is great and it's awesome and it's happening. And it's like, oh, okay. Now what? Mm-hmm. And then it's like, blank. Okay.
2: Oh, yeah, we all get there different times totally i I think i've i've been trying to recognize that i'm not going to always be able to guess when my you know my my mental status is going to be like in a weird place i'm not always going to be able to predict but i should over time be able to more often recognize how to protect myself from totally falling off a cliff and that doesn't mean not feeling the feelings but maybe not letting myself plan 100,000 things directly after something like that so that I feel like I have to do everything and can't take a few days to like either get sick, which usually happens, or just like be exhausted, which is okay. So I just, yeah, I've been trying to have a longer memory when it comes to my own self and be kind of a student of my own mind and try to like keep track of that stuff so when it comes up it's not so much of a surprise and I don't feel like such a failure for needing a little space and time
1: absolutely okay so this season's theme is all about reflection and we've been talking about reflection all episode long but I'd love to know if there are any specific ways that you bring reflection into your personal life or into a creative practice that you have
2: Yes. So I um, talked a little bit about like the schedule blocking. That's been helping me a ton. Like having a, t- a day where I'm not supposed to be doing anything else. That I, I like rules. And when I can set the rules and then I make myself stick to them, that helps me. <laughs> um, but actually in November, I went to Amsterdam for the first time and visited some friends. And it was like incredibly magical as it just is. But I picked up a traveler's journal while I was there kind of got got into that system and it's been really nice for me having like a work notebook where I make like lists and do strategy and take notes and do work stuff but then over here have my like beautiful traveler's journal where I like tape fun things into it and do little drawings and like write down quotes from the books I'm reading and just make that a like a little haven to hang out. And I think that that's been really helping me. I always like prided myself on having just one notebook where I did everything in my (laughs) life in it. Like I felt like really like, I don't know, weird, weirdly like prideful about that. Um, But it's been so nice lately to, to separate those two things. And I've also been um, trying to work. I work from home a lot, but I've been trying to work from home at the desk that's downstairs. So when I'm up here in my life area it's different than what I'm like going downstairs to do work and kind of just like separate my brain that way. And I think that's allowed me that space and time to, for reflection, especially with the traveler's journal. Of like, how am I feeling? What am I reading? Why am I enjoying it? What am I, how am I doing? And to like just build in spaces and places to put my like brain in that space.
0: Do you ever share that on social? Like what it looks like inside or that's just for you?
2: mostly just for me I've shared like a little bit here and there if I'm like particularly happy with some like way that it looks but that's not the goal right um I have a lot of fun things in there that I enjoy like the postage stamps from different places and fun stickers and like I love fountain pens so writing with different color inks but it's just more about like what brings me delight and if I feel like especially happy with something I will share it um But I, yeah, I share so much of my life between, like, the shop and YouTube and writing and the book. And, like, my life is fairly open that I really like having places and rules around. Like, I don't show my son's face on social media or in Mm -hmm. photos. Like, there are just certain things that help me feel like I have... Parts of my life that are just mine. Um, I think the traveler's journal is, is one of those places where I get to just let it be what it is and not that have makes to a lot of sense. Keep as someone the, else in mind. <laughs> yeah,
0: as the selfish consumer, I go. I want to see that. I want to get it, you know. But I totally get it. It's not for me, and yeah. it makes sense if you're sharing so many other places. It makes sense. Yeah, I, it. I think it it's sense.
2: easy, especially as a as a business owner in like an influencer culture i'm certainly not an influencer but like that's some of the culture oh, we yeah. live in um to just feel like everything has to be for 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 marketing for mm-hmm. for clout for sharing all the time and uh it's just helpful for me to have parts of my life that are just for me like my plants no one yeah. cares about my house plants <laughs> like no one cares but, but you'd be like,
0: surprised I, i'm yeah, kind of curious true. i watch
2: a lot of like houseplant youtubers and like <laughs> whatever but you know in my life the plants are just for me right. and I just love that me? I love my plants
0: <laughs> me too good answer good answer okay so we're gonna conclude this episode with our currently round yes based off of Kristen's currently card I think you've done one before it's interesting mm-hmm. to hear if we look, it's, it's, look I always back. fill that part out first I feel like yeah that, on the interview prep sheet the, I love it those are the most fun to fill out for yeah me. <laughs> Awesome. So we're going to go through them orally on the podcast. If you would like one, you could get one at com slash currently. You can. Yeah. Nice. Awesome. Okay. So Sarah, what are you currently watching? I mentioned it earlier, but I've been loving Dickinson on Apple
2: TV. It's so good. first two episodes are free. So if you want to go get a feel for it, it's got, it's like all the best things. Like it's got like Billie Eilish music with like Emily Dickinson and like poetry and like (laughs) I was going to say.
1: the the music's amazing
2: it's so good yeah it's well worth it and I I think as like a creative person like it's been really fun to see them not take it too seriously and like have a lot of fun and let her be like funny and weird and um yeah I just I'm finding it so inspiring nice what are you currently reading I just finished the third book um, by Nina George. She has written a bunch of books and she did like a three book series that's loosely um, around the topic of death, which sounds so sad, but they're the most like hopeful, inspiring, beautiful fiction books. Like, oh my gosh. Um, One's called The Book of Dreams. Um, The Little Paris Bookshop is one. And then what's the other one? The... Something about a, a bistro. Anyways, go look her up, Nina George. She just she writes in such a beautiful way, and the stories are beautiful, and the characters beautiful, and like it talks about topics that um, that are just things that we all experience. So,
0: I much suggest her. Very much. Nice. Everything will be in the show notes, so you guys can head on over and then click. Um, what are you currently listening to? Yes.
2: So. Um, some friends of mine who I love very much just got me into watching Shits Creek. I don't know if you guys mm-hmm. watched Shits Creek. It's a delight, but I found on um, on Spotify that someone had put together like all the music from the show in a like soundtrack kind of playlist nice. and it's so good, so very good.
0: It's worth worth a listen. That's, that's fun. fun. I could find that if I say like Shits Creek soundtrack. Yep.
2: Yep. Nice. I think that's what I searched
0: and that's okay. what I found. And it's
2: it's a it's just it's just so good. I love it. Nice. What are you currently making? Um, I've been painting watercolor postage stamps. Like, I love, obviously, I love snail mail. I love stamps. And I've been painting my own, like, tiny versions of them. And I just, I man, lighthouse postage stamps painted in watercolor,
0: bringing nice. me life. I saw that on your
2: sheet, yes. I think.
0: Yes. You painted the, the mailboxes on your um, book, too? Yes. Wow. Wow. Yep. I, yes, very I, look, cool. I very, very cool. much like painting yeah. boring things like mailboxes <laughs> a thousand times over and putting them on I everything. It. I love it. What are you currently um, feeling? I am feeling bold.
2: I'm thinking about that a lot, like a word for the year. And I usually try not to pick one, but one always comes to me and I feel bold. I feel like this year is a year for asking for what I want and for doing the things that I've been scared to do and for not apologizing.
0: Says the girl who said last time, last year, I'm reaching out because I'm thinking of everyone as friends I've never met yet. That was one of my favorite lines from you. Yeah. Last year I was aspirationally bold and I think this year I'm actually feeling bold. (laughs) Nice. I like that. I love that. I love it. What are you currently planning?
2: I am planning a bit of a pivot for um, my business this year and not totally ready to share all the details on that, but anyone else is working on... Changing things up. I'm with you in that. And it's scary, but it's part of that bold thing. Ready to do some things differently. Do you watch Friends? I do, yes. yes. Pivot! Couch, pivot! <laughs> I'm gonna... We literally, my husband and I moved a couch down a flight of stairs <laughs> in our house recently, and we just, like, could not stop laughing. We just kept screaming pivoted.
0: <laughs> I'm going to send you uh, a gif or something in an email okay. just to keep you on target with the pivot. I love it. I love it. Okay, and lastly, what are you currently loving? I'm loving Her. this interview. But <laughs> Me too. It's not my current round. I ground.
2: just i'm loving my plants i'm such a total nerd total like cat lady turned plant lady but watching my little babies like put out beautiful new leaves in the winter like it's it's helping me with all that seasonal muck that i've been feeling so get yourself a plant if you don't have a plant. for sure it's worth
0: it <laughs> Kristen over here is like the plant lady, mm. but I, I remember the time when I was having a 2018 was also very tough for me and I just needed to watch something grow. Yes. So I literally went to the plant store and was like, I need something to grow. Yeah. and put some seeds in my hand. I get it. Absolutely. Yeah. Especially when things are so like dark
2: and crappy outside. I just need that sometimes mm-hmm. that reminder that we all grow
0: slowly and that
2: that's okay. And we should still be proud of our growth.
0: Girl, you should be proud of your growth. Thank you. Thanks for coming back on. Oh, this awesome. Always a pleasure.
1: Yeah, you guys can find Sarah at snailmailsuperstar.com and where else?
2: And constellationco.com and we're on Instagram and all the places. And it'll be all linked. You guys know the oh, thank deal. Thank you. You're so good with <laughs> the links.
1: <laughs> all right, guys, we'll be back next week and we will be going to After Chatter right now to discuss something really cool. I don't know what it is yet <laughs> it's top secret because uh that's mm-hmm. how it goes uh, but yeah find us at patreon.com slash crafty as female you can see sarah's cute shirt which is a black and white print of her uh mailboxes which is the cover of her book it's adorable and i love it and i'm obsessed so patreon.com slash crafty as female it is a great way to support the show help us bring you amazing artists incredible conversations and support the show that you love. We will catch you next week and we love you very much. Bye guys.